Welcome to Thoughts for Your Thoughts. I'm Kevin Deskins, filling in for David Parker, who's filling in for John Smith, who took off for eight months to study the migration patterns for our nation's squirrels. I'm Tom Wright, a photographer and the sales manager at the Columbus, Ohio photo and video specialty store, Midwest Photo. Hey, I'm Kevin Deskins, a photographer and the director of marketing at Midwest Photo. Twice a month, we're going to host this podcast to share news, interesting articles, gear opinions, tips, and sometimes guests. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it might get strange because together, we're two weird weird camera camera beards. (laughs) Perfect. Alright, Kev, what do you think? You get this thing going? Yeah, let's let's get the ball rolling. Uh, I want to give a special thanks to um, our first and new sponsor, Rode Microphones. Uh, Rode was awesome enough. Uh, Jeff and Ryan at Rode Microphones US. Uh, Rode Microphones is an Australian microphone company. Uh, Tom, as you know, we we are an authorized reseller here at Midwest Photo of Rode Microphones. But they've helped us out and they've um, given us a sponsorship, which allowed us to get some new microphones. So this week you might hear uh, some nice new audio from Tom and I. They make us sound <laughs> and uh so with their sponsorship we we're able to get some new uh road pod mics which are these awesome condenser dynamic condenser microphones that we're using now yeah uh, makes the uh, podcasting experience for you guys uh a little bit more pleasurable on the ears yeah and in addition to that uh we were able to uh offset our cost of our roadcaster pro mixing board which allows us to record uh have multiple stings channels um uh headphones in so we can uh hear ourselves and we can even pass this through to our computers so that we can get better audio for like zoom calls and whatnot which uh, we do here at midwest photo quite a bit with trying to maintain social distancing in these wild times that we're in all that to say big thanks to road for our uh being our first sponsor Big shout out to them. We'll give them an, an additional thanks here at the end. If you have any questions, uh, check our show notes for the product listings for the pod mic and the Roadcaster Pro. Thanks, Road. Uh, and then also a special thanks to Ray Sherlow for our intro music. If you dig his tunes, head over to band to his Bandcamp page. It's uh, raysherlow.bandcamp.com, and we'll put a link in the show notes. He does. It, his last name's a little tough. I, I even have to second guess myself with the spelling sometimes. But yeah, really great music. Really great guy. I'm really happy that we could uh, that we could get it get some of his tunes on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much, Ray. That was that's really cool of you and your music. I was just listening to. It's really nice to to listen to and relax to. So make sure to head over to his Bandcamp page and listen to to what he's got going on. And then one little last bit of housekeeping at the beginning of this episode. Uh, I just want to do a little bit of a call for questions. We, we're going to do a Q&A episode uh, down the road once we get once we get enough from you guys. Um, what the process that we want you guys to use for this is just record your question on the voice memo app in your phone, whether it's an Android or Apple device, and then email that question over to us at Kevin, what's the what's the email that we're using? We now have two weird camera beards. That's the number two weird camera beards at mpex.com. Perfect. Yeah. So just send it over there and just make sure that try to keep it under one minute. Um, if it's a question worthwhile that's going to be over that, uh, we may still answer it, but we're likely going to stick to the questions that are under one minute long. So, uh, Tom, just because I see you're wearing a, a, a little CBJ, Columbus Blue Jackets, our, our local hockey team, any they get any touchdowns this week? Uh, yeah, they got knocked out of the playoffs. Oh, so. no. I'm so sorry, no. dude. I'm That's so all right. sorry. That's ah, all right. That's a bummer. It's okay. They had a good run, and nobody expected them to make it to the playoffs this year. So. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, you want to tell us what we're talking about today? What's this episode about? So today we're going to be talking about film and film cameras and film processes and uh, 
kind of explaining some of that, giving some tips and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, uh, film, first off, film is doing surprisingly well for 2020, as digital as today is. Film is alive. Uh. Yeah, yeah. We've got, we actually carry, th- we've got a fridge full of film. We've got 35, 120, 4x5, 8x10, and a lot of Polaroid film. So, yeah, it's doing it's doing really well, ever, given all of the all of the digital photography capabilities that we've got now. Absolutely. If you ever want to know if somebody's a film enthusiast, just open their fridge. Yeah, right. <laughs> I actually, so I don't have any film in my fridge. I uh, I've got an old uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, little uh, what is it called? A little cooler that I got full of Thanksgiving food one one year after seeing my family. So I just that turned into my film cooler. So, nice. Yeah. Do you wanna Do you wanna start us off with uh, with an interesting article that you found? Yeah, sure. So since I I kind of figured we would be doing some film centric talking, um, I wanted to talk about uh, artists that I had found. And I'm just gonna pull this up on the screen real, for you, Tom. Yeah. Real quick, can I ask you a question? Real quick. Yeah. Sure. What's up? Who was was the first photographer that you really connected with? Was it a film shooter or a digital shooter? uh digital like was it yeah and i'd say he's still my favorite photographer like i yeah i very much i don't do anything like him he's very creative who is it it's noah kalina in okay in, in new york um he's a very talented dude he used to live in the city but he moved upstate uh, and he runs like a little tiny it's a little bit of a farm uh, he's got hmm. some chickens and whatnot but he's just crazy creative he's famous for um no, uh it's called uh Noah every day. Huh. And he collaborated originally. So he started taking a photo of himself, just kind of being fascinated with him. He shoots film too, but digital is what brought him to the limelight. And it was, uh, every day was a project. He shot himself from starting at the age of 20 or 21. And he's still, it's that guy. He still photographs himself every day. I remember seeing his work and seeing like the time-lapse kind of thing of him. Yeah. He did that to kind of document age in a digital world. And it's fascinating to see him go from, I mean, it's been going on for 20 years now. That's crazy. Himself 20 years. And, um, that's who I really, I, I, so I like, while kind of researching and like looking into this episode quite a bit, I uh, I was kind of thrown back into like the reason why like I think a lot of the reason why I connected with photography at first was the process of film, and I think that I was really drawn to film photographers and like photographers from like the sixties, seventies, and eighty, like mm-hmm. Stephen Shore and stuff like that, and like yeah, and I yeah, this was a fun little exercise of like kind of going back into all of that and like actually like I think it's Werner Bischoff or Werner Bischoff. I know it's a W, but I think he might be German. But anyways, like that was who I first kind of connected with mm-hmm. and he's a great like black and white stills photographer. Yeah. Very like documentary like documentary kind of photographer going to different places and just yeah. Sounds really beautiful shots. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, uh, getting back here into the, to the, uh, kind of article discovery I made, I, I saw an article on, on this guy, his name's Kyle Roper and he did this project, uh, called COVID portraits. Um, and essentially what he did is he's got this window on his front door and he built a camera like a box the lens goes into and then mounts onto that little window. And then people would stop by his house. He wouldn't have any contact with them, obviously, because of the pandemic going on right now. And he would create these really interesting portraits from the window as front door. Like he, he has this whole, yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah. They're, they're amazing. We'll put these in the show notes, but essentially he's got a lens in his door. And then, uh, he built this dark room around the front door um, and you'll have to go through his Instagram stories to truly see and appreciate how complex this camera is that he's designed. Yeah. Um, and, and it looks he, like it might be large format. Is that right? I, I can't. It looks like they almost look like paper negatives or something. Yeah. Right? And then he develops everything in this is really cool 
dark room he's built into his his bathroom and then he allows everything to dry in his living room by hanging the prints off of uh, a bicycle so he mm. is essentially built uh, a front door camera um a film front door camera and i just think the work is it's quite amazing some of it's like the, he even has double exposures which are really cool um yeah that, that's really beautiful so and he sh- it looks like he's shooting on uh ilford photo ortho plus film oh that's, and it and, looks like f- yeah so um some of i'm I'm sure he's experimented with a few different types of film but th- these are just really cool it looks and, like it might be a pinhole camera because it just it's one of those it it kind of has that pinhole look because literally it looks like everything in the frame is in focus yeah i mean it's a small it's a small space between his door and what looks like a neighbor's door across the way from him yep that they're posing in front of yep it's exactly it so his neighbor has the same front door and he's just I mean, here's a reflector he's kind of set up to give bounce some more light into folks um but uh his instagram is at kj underscore roper r-o-p-e-r uh we'll link his instagram page in our How show notes he... but it's just incredible work i mean it's incredible film photography work it's crazy to me that his that this hasn't blown up. Yeah. Too. Like he's, yeah. I mean, crazy. if this is what he can do with the door, I can only imagine what he can do with, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is like, I think that's worth mentioning though too is just uh, the, the creative limitations or the limitations that that puts in place to then you, you've got some creative problem solving to deal with that can yeah. come up with, yeah, that just makes for interesting photos. And that's awesome. And like the, I'm seeing more and more as you're kind of scrolling of the double exposures and stuff too. And that, those are, those I almost like, I don't know. I like both a lot, but I like the double exposures a lot. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. Really, really cool stuff. What you got, Tom? So the article that I that I found is actually an interview with, uh, and it kind of goes with what I was like, kind of asking you about earlier, and like the photographers that I initially connected with with uh, photography, and uh, this is an interview with Hiroshi Sujimoto, who does really interesting kind of. I don't know if it's, it's almost like I would say it's almost postmodern, like it's very meta art and meta photography. It's about the. F- about the practice of photography, his work often is, and about time passing and capturing moments. Uh, in the past, he's done uh, projects that are uh, kind of like he did one with uh, long exposures of ocean, of like the of like a beach, and it's kind of like the way he talks about it is really interesting too, because it's just water and air, but it's a long exposure, and you're like. It, it kind of blurs everything and it kind of blurs the line between the ocean and the air, hmm. which I think is interesting. And the, and the images are absolutely beautiful. And, uh, and then another project that he did was, uh, let's see here. It was like an exposure for the entire length of a movie in these old theaters Mm, that he went around to so he's exposing the sheet of film for the entire length of a movie so he's uh, capturing an entire movie on a sheet of film and it is the screen overexposed or you're actually seeing the screen becomes white and then that and then that that white illuminates the rest of the theater Ah. so you can actually see the entire theater from the light that's bounced off the that's a pretty cool concept yeah yeah and there he's a great photographer too so they're all really beautiful images yeah but this this article that this uh interview that i found is talking about kind of a more recent work of his uh it's not super recent uh it looks like it some of this is from 2005 but it's uh it's about his project that he did with uh fossils and he talks about his process a little bit at the beginning which i like a lot because i always like hearing how these people are kind of taking on these challenges and all of that. And he's talking about using big format cameras and how he thinks that those kind of still make the best quality picture and how they're still hard to control, but he thinks that that's worth it for the quality of image. And uh, he's largely just using uh, light from the window that he's controlling with like blinds and stuff like that. So he's kind of treating it like the old style, like, 
like old like pre studio lighting lighting like he's modifying the existing light to mm. to to do what he wants it to do mm-hmm. um he talks about how even back in the day painters and stuff like that would pick the top floor of the building and i think he says a south facing window so you're never getting direct light but it's always filled with light mm-hmm. so you're always getting that nice diffused beautiful light and then you control it from there um but when he goes into this project about uh about uh these fossils it's really it's real it's almost have you heard of Alex Soth? Mm-mm, no. If you get the chance, look him up because it's Soth, S-O-T-H. Okay. And Alec, A-L-E-C. Okay. And he does, like, there's a lot of connection between, like, writing and poetry and photography. And uh, I think Sujimoto is very much like that, too, because the way he talks about these fossils is they're, they're also a record of history. But the the accumulation of time and history becomes a negative of an image of the image. I'm actually directly quoting the article now. Mm-hmm. And he's saying the negative this negative comes off and the fossil is on the positive side. And it's very similar to photography, except a fossil takes over four hundred and fifty million years to make. Right. But photography is an instant. So it's I, I love stuff like that. Yeah, that's a really cool parallel. Um, right? Yeah, that's that's really really cool. I'm just I looked up Alex Soth while you were um, you were talking yeah. about this to kind of get an idea of of what he seems like a really interesting person, and there's some some really fascinating pieces of work here. It, true artistry. Um, you know, last week we talked a lot about the tech behind things. Right. And this this episode, I mean, we're film is very much getting back to the heart of photographic artistry, which is really, really cool. And I think a lot of people... Well, it's, it's slowing down the process. I think that there's people that do it well with digital photography, but I think it's harder to, to like slow yourself down and take the time to how to make your photography and your images a more thoughtful experience. I think that film gives you more time between each step to mm-hmm. allow that thought process to take place. Yeah. Whereas I think with digital, it can be instant, which can also mean it can be like thoughtless. Yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of taken for granted. Right. Um, which, you know, art should not be taken for granted ever. And uh, I guess the, the, that's kind of all I had on the article. But the last thing that I was going to recommend too is to just go, I used to follow the British Journal of Photography quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And they do a good job of like showing a nice, like diverse spectrum of art and artists and photographers. And if you guys get the chance, go check them out. I, I saw in my, in my newsstand app on my phone that you can actually, they've got little, like it's a dollar to get like per issue, or you can just subscribe for like, I think $65 for the year. Oh, that's not bad at all. But it's, it's their, their writing and their content is one of my favorite like photography yeah. sources yeah. about current artists and that yeah. sort of thing. So those, those are our articles. Uh, all of that to say, I think we're, we're on the same page. Artistry here is very important to photography. Uh, otherwise, you, you know, you've just got a piece of technology in your hand and you're pushing a button. And right. I'd say that more often than not, when I'm in a rut and I um, can't think creatively or I have trouble like coming up with something, that, something to shoot, um, I kind of just, I let loose and I try to do something way off the deep end creative and it gets me right back on track with, with photography and creating art, um, yeah. which is a lot of fun. And I, I found that this week, uh, shooting a roll of film, you know, yeah, I, I shot a roll of film thanks to Christopher Gilbert for <laughs> supplying us yeah. with some, some cool Fuji film. Uh, I shot for the first time on uh Hasselblad, uh, 500 with an 80 mil and, uh, it was Acros, uh, 100, and it was tough beautiful it, film. it is beautiful film it's very tough though i missed a lot of focus <laughs> really yeah what uh, were you shooting it on what uh, camera the hasselblad the hasselblad yeah the hasselblad 500 and um i just it's tough it really got me back on track though because then i picked up my my fujifilm xh1 this week and i shot like crazy some yeah. really cool creative stuff yeah um much, what, uh, much better focus. 
<laughs> what what finder did you have on the Hasselblad? Because I find that that makes a big difference for I'm, me and whether I can hit focus or not. I'm I'm gonna be honest. I don't know what exactly it's called. It's not a waist level. I wanted it's not a, a waist it's level. Not a, I wanted it, a waist level. It was probably like the 45 degree prism. Uh, maybe I think so. Yeah. Um, this big chunky one. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. 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 Um, and I, again, I'm not well versed on, on can, Hasselblad stuff, but that's that was. I like the finders over the waist level. Like really? I like the prism over the waist level. I can't. It's. I know that this is gonna. There's gonna be some people out there that are listening to this that are like, hey, you can't do a waist level, but I just it's disorienting to me and distracting from the image that I want to actually capture. Yeah, I get. It that. gets in the way too much, which. It's funny because I do so much to get in the way of myself sometimes when I'm taking pictures <laughs> with like these old Russian cameras and stuff. But yeah. yeah, I just, the waist level, it trips me up too much. And it like, I, I want to use that system for portraits a lot of the time. And when I'm fumbling in front of a person while I'm trying to capture the right moment or the right look or something, and it's just, ah, I can't get it. Yep. All right. So obviously this week we're talking about film. Uh, Mm -hmm. We both last week ran through our uh, first photography experiences, both of which uh, were film experiences. Um, Our first cameras were similar. I think you said you had a, what was it? A A Canon A1 and I think you had a Canon AE1. Yep. AE1 AE1 program. Yep. Um, So like we said in the beginning, film and chemicals are still made by various companies today, many of which we sell here at Midwest Photo. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, for a lot of people who come in and don't realize, it, I always like surprising people when they come in. And if they're not familiar with our store, mm-hmm. um, I, I kind of tell them all about what we have. Like, we yeah, we've got photo, we've got video, we've got audio, we've got um, various little tech widgets and gadgets and whatnot. But then it's mm-hmm. fun to say, oh, yeah we've got a dark room too. Yeah. So yeah, we've got a dark room here and yeah. it's rentable. So you can rent yeah. it for an hour. You can rent it for a half day. You can rent it for a full day. But if you don't want, if you're, if you're not familiar with the dark room and you're uneasy about it, what's nice is we have a film specialist on staff. Yeah. Uh, Matt Marash, who is really cool. He's, he's kind of a local celebrity in that he sense. He is a little bit of a yeah. local celebrity. Yeah. He, so he teaches classes here in our learning studio, but he also is our, uh, film and darkroom specialist every every Friday you can usually catch him for the first like quarter to half the day mm-hmm. spending time developing customer roles so for yeah. uh, Tom is it eight dollars for a roll of 35 it's right around there yeah so for for less than 10 bucks you can bring in a roll of black and white film and once a week Matt goes ahead and develops that and mm-hmm. if you want to learn yourself does a killer job too he does we yeah. do we use just to get into the into the weeds a little bit with it, um, he uses HC110, which is a great developer, even for older films. So that'll help kind of yep. bring back some of that. So it'll it'll help it for, keep it from like fogging and stuff like that. Um, Matt would be a little bit more. Uh, he would he would be able to talk more on the subject than I would. But there's some chemistry going on in in what he does that that. Is, makes for a really good end result product. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he did a kill. I, I didn't develop the, the film I shot. He developed it, and uh, I'm over the moon happy about it, with the exception of my missing focus on it. Yeah. <laughs> on on that sh- role. And you probably shot wide open the whole time, right? No, no. no? I, didn't sh- I didn't shoot wide open. No. Um, I, I tried. I wanted to, but I yeah. tried not to. Um, so Matt, Matt does the developing here every week. Um, you can even take a one-on-one with him if you do want to learn what mm-hmm. happens inside the dark room. What's cool about Matt is he is an open book. He loves educating folks who are oh, yeah. hungry for information. So you can actually uh, rent the dark room and book a one-on-one with Matt and he'll show you. The we ins- should probably link up. He's, he, I was just talking to him yesterday. He did a photo 101 class here in our learning studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just talking to him. I guess he's been doing uh some some YouTube videos on large format photography. So yep. maybe we should link them up in the show notes there. For sure, yeah. So make sure you check out his YouTube channel. We'll put him in the show notes. Um, also, he co-hosts a podcast himself. Uh, if you want to check out wherever you listen to podcasts, check out the Film Photography Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an awesome podcast on film, and they, they geek out on all of the... Um, 
I mean, anything about film, really. Yeah. Like, so every aspect probably of it. like silver particles within the, you know. Yeah. It's it just. Well, in just different formats, because there's a lot of film. Fo- the film photography project has also been very active in bringing back different formats that yep. didn't exist otherwise. Like Absolutely. 620. Um, I know there's others, but yeah, they're also like. When, if I need a roll of one, uh, if I need a hundred foot roll of film that I want to bulk load, mm-hmm. which to, I'll, I'll explain that a little bit. That means you're basically buying a large quantity of film, a hundred feet of it, and then you're loading the canisters yourself and it ends up being more economical. Um, but if I was to buy a hundred foot roll, I'd probably go to the film photography prod, the, the film photography project because they, they carry a large amount of a large variety of film in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of cool stuff. Now I will say we don't do any color here. Um, and we right. can touch on that a little bit later, but, um, we, we don't, we don't develop any color here in our dark room, but if you wanted to, we sell the color chemistry kits. So you could by all means buy the color chemistry kit, take it into the dark room and develop it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Totally but, possible. Yeah. And at some point, once we get back into our film classes here, um, Matt teaches a really nice class, uh, developing color film photography at home mm-hmm. so you could even take um, a room and convert it into a darker room uh darker room a dark room and yeah <laughs> and, or and, i mean you could use a changing bag too yeah you can, yeah. yeah yeah there's several different ways to do it um yeah. which we'll cover but all of that to say uh we've got a dark room you can rent mm-hmm. it you can have matt use it on your behalf if you are curious about booking that you can book it at mpexlearningstudio.com or mpexrentals.com it's M-P-E-X and then rentals.com or learningstudio.com. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can you can actually just book it online if you wish. We'll have those links in the show notes, I'm sure, too. Yep. Okay. So let's uh, let's talk about gear and opinions if you want to shoot film. Um, mm-hmm. Getting started, Tom, what are your, like, if somebody came in and said, hey, I want to I shoot a, shoot film, What, what how, where do you get them started? Uh, Camera-wise or what do you think? Yeah, just, yeah, just like what kind of camera should they get? So I... There's the nice thing about film is there's no shortage of like camera diversity mm-hmm. in terms like there's been especially within medium format there's been so many uh, camera manufacturers that have come and gone in the film space and there's so many kind of wonky things there's there's some fun stuff that can be had uh, of course there's always middle of the line things as well like a Canon AE one like we've already mentioned, that was your first camera. That's a very popular first camera for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Pentax K1000s were very popular. Minolta X7000s were very popular for first cameras. But then there's also things like Lomography's uh, Sprocket Rocket that can be fun and interesting. There's Holgas that can be really fun and kind of thoughtless, which which can be nice for somebody starting out and that just wants to deal with composition. yeah, I, I love, part of the things that I love about film is just, there's so many wonky, weird kind of ways to get into it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, personally, if somebody came in and asked me, I, I want to steer them towards 35 first, just because that's the, the yeah. easiest to understand. Sure. Um, of course, you can go 35 millimeter format, you can go medium format, which is 120 and then, you know, if you want to do some crazy wild stuff and get really get involved with it and have uh, a few shots taken that you're really planning out, uh, again, we'll link up to like Matt. Large Mar- format. Yeah, large format. Yeah. We'll link up to Matt Marash's YouTube channel so you can see what that's all about. But that's, imagine an old school photographer, if you will, who's hiding under a dark blanket mm-hmm. behind the camera and the camera has bellows and they're adjusting knobs and whatnot. That's, yeah. that's large format. And it's a very slow pace, a very slow kind of thoughtful pace to get the image. And yeah. you're also one of the things that not everybody, I don't think thinks about when they're, sh- when they think of large format is you're not looking through a viewfinder or anything. When you're actually taking the picture, you're stepping away from the camera because now there's a piece of film in front of where you were just looking. Yep to compose the image. So it is like that, like with uh, large format portrait photographers, like here in Columbus, there's Tariq Ture, I think mm-hmm. is how his last name's pronounced. Yeah. And um, Tariq is just amazing. Yeah. And it, he's doing these really, really intimate and beautiful portraits, but it with large format. So, but you can't see what you're taking a picture of when you're taking the picture, yeah, which you, blows my mind. You have to plan it methodically first. And 
What I really like about Tariq's technique, if if we can just dive into that real quick, is yeah. you know Matt was Matt Marash was showing me a shot that he took the other day, and Tariq never focuses on the tech. He never focuses on the camera. Never, never yeah. thinks about the film or the he lens. He barely he barely thinks about changing film from his normal like. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. really branch out even film to film. He's kind of gets his process down and yep. focuses on the image. Yeah, he's yeah. he's all about the subject and mm-hmm. the subject story and. Uh, the efforts that he he pushes towards, and he's just an amazing person. And I would highly totally. Recommend. We'll we'll link good link his mm-hmm. his Instagram and the uh, show notes so that you can see his incredible work that he does for uh, sure, which is definitely artistry, uh, more artistry than than photography. And it's just I you have to see it for yourself, really. Yeah. So uh, so what camera would you start somebody out with? You think? You know, I'd it's it's so I I would lean back on that. Uh, uh, canon a1 series mm-hmm. if it's available and if yeah. they're looking you know if they're familiar with photography already and they're nervous about manual focus i might steer the nikon n series i was like just gonna say n60 I, like that's an oh, autofocus yeah. series yeah. right so which honestly yeah i didn't even think of that so the nikon has a, a whole lineup i don't know that they're all and there's even like the f like 80 and f f100 and stuff like that that Nikon and Canon, you can get with current autofocus mounts, which can be a lot of fun if you want to throw your current like EF lenses or your F mount autofocus lenses on an old film camera and kind of shoot the same way you shoot digital. And that can be a lot of fun too, to kind of dive down those rabbit holes. I was trying to remember a camera that I had used once that was accepted Canon EF mount. Um, and it was the e- the Elon series, the Elon 7 um from canon so that's an eos there's so many of them though i i know there's there's several different types but if you already have canon the elon series is great because you can mount those lenses to it and still get the autofocus yeah. features which is really and nice. they're so they're so affordable too yeah within that those autofocus cameras they tend to be the ones that aren't super sought after just because they're closer to digital and i think a lot of the people that go for film want to have the full manual mechanical experience yep and so those autofocus bodies you can they can be had from forty dollars up to uh, maybe a hundred dollars the there's there's some within that that are going to be more expensive like the f100 the nikon f100 but um that are a little bit more premium but yeah they can be they can be had very affordably and they can kind of mesh more into your system and i don't know how i missed Miss Nikon, I'm like a big Nikon shooter. I've got a couple <laughs> Nikon bodies, but yeah, the the old, like I've got an FM2 and I've got an FE, which I love the FE because it's literally, it's claim to fame is you can take a long exposure for as long as the battery needs to stay. Like, oh, wow. like it'll kill the battery and then shut the, shut the shutter. Wow. Uh, whereas normally there's for a long exposure, there's a, uh, there's a limit to it on on most film cameras, right? Unless you're using bulb and you've got like a, a shutter, right? Release. Yeah, this is on auto exposure oh, for, the, auto exposure for the for the for the. It would be effectively uh, aperture priority, which all that means is you're picking the aperture, and then the the camera's picking the shutter speed, right? Based on based on its metering system. Mm-hmm. Um, so the kind of moving along here. Once you've got your camera, what the other things you need to start understanding um, is that film is sensitive. It's light sensitive, so um, we you have to understand that if if you expose it to visible light, you've just ruined. It's it's not like a memory card, right? You get light on it, it's gone, it's done. So um, that is literally the process of (laughs) what your camera is doing is exposing that film to light and what and all of the. All of the controls that you're using are controlling that light precisely to hit the film. Right, which is why Tom said earlier, you know, if you're developing at home, we need a dark room or mm-hmm. we need a changing bag. These things are to prevent light from touching that mm-hmm. medium so that you're not expo- which, exposing it when you don't want to. Right, which film you you have to do in complete darkness. Uh, paper, like making prints, you can do with a safe light, which only allows a certain... A, a certain color of light to exist, which is red. It's an amber colored light mm-hmm. and that won't affect the paper. Um, but the, with film, 
the changing bag that I mentioned is literally like it, it you look at it and it looks like uh, a sweatshirt with no neck hole is how I kind of describe it. And you're putting your arms into the sleeves and then you load the load the changing bag through where you would like put your body through the sweatshirt and then you zip it up. It's got a couple zippers and that that keeps all of the light out and you can you can that makes it very easy to develop your own film at home. That's mm-hmm. what I use at home whenever I develop. It's it's super easy. Yeah. Uh, you just load it up with your with your film, your reels and tanks and all that stuff and then just get going and once you've once you've got it all in there and it's zipped up, you put your arms through the hole, you load your film on the reels, put it in the tank and then uh, you can pull your arms out because the tank is actually light tight. Yeah. So if if you're not wanting to develop at home per se, there's locally, if you're listening to this in Ohio, uh, Central Ohio specifically, there's a few mm-hmm. things that you can do. There's obviously there's send out services across mm-hmm. the country, which you, you send out your film, you kind of risk anything can happen at that point. Once yeah. it's out of your X-rays. hands. X-rays x-rays um, which actually traveling like i guess there's not much traveling happening now but right if you are traveling hand check your film because their x-ray machines that tsa is currently using will absolutely like ruin your film yeah i think they have signs that say you know if you have film over iso 800 which iso it doesn't i've from what i've seen it doesn't matter really like it's it's they're they're frying film at this point from what i've seen that stinks we've had a couple customers in the past year or so that have dropped off film to get developed and you can actually see I think, uh, man, I'm going to have to check with Matt on this, but I think you can actually see the sine wave oh. of like the light that traveled through the entire roll. Gross. Which it just, it, so, it kind, I guess it could kind of look cool, but it looks terrible in most cases. Quick reverse. So we just said that you have to understand the film is sensitive to visible light, but it's also sensitive to a bunch of other things that we can't see. X-rays mm-hmm. are one of those things. Heat. Heat is another one of those things. So... There are... Don't leave it on the dash of your car in 100-degree weather. Don't leave anything on your dash in 100-degree weather. <laughs> I'll leave my iPhone there. I'll, no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so you, you want to get it developed. There's send-out services, but if you hear local in Columbus, we can develop it for you, or you can rent our darkroom like I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. I will recommend this if you're doing color in Columbus. We don't do color. There's Correct. two ways you can do it, though. One, there is a lab in Columbus that does color. McAllister's Photo Works. Mm-hmm. on sawmill it is on yeah, sawmill. On sawmill. Yeah. um they Just do in I, Dublin. I know a lot of folks here staff in our store at least use them for their color work and it always turns out beautifully um now alternatively like i said like tom said we have those um chemicals where you could develop it yourself and what's cool is if you are nervous about this we have a device that we sell called lab box Oh, those are really rad. Yes. That eliminates the need of a changing bag, too. Yeah, so it eliminates the need of a changing bag, and it works as your developing tank. And mm-hmm. really, you, what you do is you load your film into it, you wind it, you cut the film, you then pour your chemicals in as instructed, um, agitate. There's a whole video that Matt mm-hmm. Marash did on it that we'll post, and we'll post the link to the lab box yeah. so you can see it. And that will develop both 35, and there's a 120 version as well. So mm-hmm. it's a really cool little box, you know, if you're trying to do something at home and you yeah, it's you're in an it's apartment. Another, like we talk, I, I know we were talking this on about the memory card slot on the A7S3, but it's another just clever design. Like yeah. it's just really well designed, and the whole system just works. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice. Let's say you live in an apartment and you're really into film work, and you don't have the time. You're working a lot. You don't have the time to come drop off your film, or you want color film done, or uh, you know you want to whatever it is. You have an apartment, you can't build a dark room. The right. lab box is like the perfect solution. Right. Um, now, obviously, this won't allow you to make prints, but you could scan those in. Yeah. Um, and then publish your work online or, or wherever. Yeah. Uh, clean up the negative. Um, we even do scanning of negatives here on a mm-hmm. high resolution uh, flatbed scanner. Um, mm-hmm. Andy, our imaging specialist, is, uh, did the scans for me on my film and they came up beautiful. So, yeah. The People lap. underestimate what those Epson flatbeds can do. Oh, I yeah. think that it's another uh, it's another capture device. So it is one that you kind of have to learn the limitation of the scanner, and you also kind of have to learn the proper settings. You 
with with a scanner, you're basically treating your film as uh, a digital negative, or if you will, mm-hmm. and you want to scan it as flat as possible, and then bring back that contrast when you're when you're editing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it's another art form in itself. I know fr- I have friends that if I have trouble with a roll of film that like I either overexposed or underexposed or something, or it's too contrasty. I've I've got buddies, even Andy. Like sometimes I'll say, "Hey, can you take a whack at this?" And the way the the things, the preferences and the settings and all of that, with the scanner, you can you can you almost have as much control as when you're taking the picture initially. Yeah. So, but yeah, and uh, the la- the only other thing that I wanted to mention about those uh, labs and stuff like that, like like McAllisters is to know the difference between a consumer or uh, like convenience lab or a pro lab. And oftentimes, most of the time, you're going to be sending your film away to a pro lab. Like if you're doing something for money, for work, don't use a consumer lab because they're just going to bulk kind of, they're just going to bulk uh, process everything all at once with everybody else's film. And mistakes do happen. They they happen everywhere. But if you have specific needs like pushing and pulling, especially with color, uh, yeah, there's there's pro labs out there that can kind of take care of you. And they'll even do like drum scans and stuff like that. And they're, they're, what you can get out of film is kind of insane. So we've um, kind of moving on to tips and tricks, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to tackle a few things here in tips and tricks, more so like lingo. Yeah. And because uh, we've we've said a lot of things in this episode. A lot of things. And I think. I was just saying, like, <laughs> I was just thinking about the last thing that I said about pushing and pulling. Yeah. Do you want me to dive into it? Sure. Like, okay. Yeah. so let's let's talk about ISO first. So we've said ISO oh, okay. a few times. And, I, you know, if you're yeah. listening to this you and you're getting started, you might not know about ISO. And then, Tom, I want you to kind of cover pushing and pulling. So. With mm-hmm. digital cameras, you can go into a menu. You can change your ISO. ISO is the sensitivity of light to your medium. So if it's a digital sensor, obviously this is kind of like the volume knob on a radio. Yeah. Um, you can turn it. It, re- up. it really is gain. Yeah, it's gain. So you're turning yeah. up and down. And when you turn it down, you get a much more clear signal, but you, it requires a lot more uh, frequency of light. Yep. When you're turning it up, you're you know you turn up the ISO. You have a higher ISO, something like. 800 to 3200 these are high isos and they're going to produce some <laughs> some quote-unquote noise or in the film yeah. world it's going to produce uh, grain so there's yep. a lot more grain in there yeah um and sometimes you'll see this referred to as asa instead of iso old school shooters will call this asa yeah um but what's pushing and pulling tom so essentially what you're doing when you're pushing film is let's say i've got a roll of 400 speed film but I wanted to shoot at night or something or indoors or in some sort of low light environment. And let's say I wanted to shoot or if I wanted a faster shutter speed, even um, what you would have to do is either get another film. That's a higher ISO, or you can actually expose, you can set your ISO to 1600, 3200, whatever you want it to be. Um, and then, you're exposing the roll incorrectly in terms of you're not shooting it at box speed. You're not, you're no longer shooting it at the 400 that it says on the side of the roll. You're shooting it at a different speed and then you're adjusting your development time to reflect that. So for pushing film, you're going to be developing that film for a longer period of time to make up for the less amount of light that it's getting exposed to. So you're, you're taking, the film and you're pushing it to that level. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, you're you're pushing it from 400 to 1600, Got for it. instance. And you have to shoot the whole roll on that, right? You have to shoot the entire roll at that exposure, Got or it. at that at that level of underexposure, right? And then pulling is the opposite. So that would be if you wanted to shoot a roll of 400 at 100 speed. And in that case, you're drastically overexposing the roll. And so you need to develop a less amount of time. So there's, we actually do all of this in our darkroom. If you wanted to push or pull, uh, have Matt, our, our film developer, uh, push or pull any 
film for you. It is a slight upcharge. I think it's $1.50 or something like that per roll. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. That was actually one of the first things that I kind of, like in, in college when I was going to school for photography, that was one of the first like processes that I really like clung to because it allowed me to shoot very much like new digital cameras. When you get a new camera, it's got a new sensor that can all of a sudden shoot in darkness. So I felt like once I started to learn how to push film and how to push it in a way, uh, I'll go into like the effects that pushing has on the image here in a bit, but um, it unlocks another, another door for you to, to shoot in different, in different lighting environments and stuff like that. Like actually one of, in, in my photo 102 class in, in college, I actually was shooting black and white film of roller hockey at night, which is kind of funny to think about now, as much as I've gotten into that on its own too. And it was just lit by like, not even stadium lights. It's almost like when you go to a park and the tennis courts sometimes have lights, it's like that amount of light. So not a ton, mm -hmm. but I was shooting that on, I was pushing 400 speed to like 1600 or 3200. And now when I shoot like hockey, indoor hockey, like the blue jackets and that sort of thing on film, like I end up pushing 400 speed film up to 6,400. And then there's things that you can learn with the process. Like, agitation and stuff like that that will lessen the amount of grain and noisy grain and contrast and stuff like that because as you push film it gets more contrasty it gets more grainy hmm. and that sort of thing so yeah oh, i should have tried that on that acris roll i had i was struggling on uh i was struggling on uh shutter speeds with that so yeah i should, I should have tried it yeah and i uh, there are films that push better than others uh i found that like uh, T Max and Delta films push really well. That's Delta Four Hundred is kind of the one that I that's my go to most of the time to push because it just handles it really well with that really fine grain. Yeah. So, uh, kind of final tips and tricks on film. So, with film, like we said, you have to pick an ISO. The ISO on the side of the roll is what it is. You can't change it like a digital camera. Um, the other thing mm -hmm. is, if you are shooting color got to pick the right color temperature too. So there's daylight and tungsten. So if you're shooting indoors mm -hmm. with a lot of tungsten lighting, you might want to pick out a roll that's specifically designed to Which shoot. Which there's not much tungsten film anymore. Not I think Cine still is literally the only tungsten film we carry. Yeah. And yeah. that's because a lot of the lights inside are going to daylight balance, yeah. if you will. And that's what a lot of film will be. If it, it It'll say typically what the, the color temperature is, but you mm -hmm. can pretty much assume anything in our fridge is going to be... Uh, the nice thing with that, though, with mm -hmm. the color temperature of film is uh, a lot of times if you shoot daylight inside and if you have enough light for it, it can look kind of cool and cinematic. Oh, yeah. And uh, the other cool thing is you're in a lot of cases you're scanning this in. Yeah. So there's always white balance corrections that you can do with Photoshop or Lightroom and stuff like that. Hashtag truth. It is, it is more difficult because film does see light differently than a sensor. And both of those programs are made more for like sensor produced yep. images. Yep. The other thing uh, you want to keep in mind is if you don't have a, uh, if your camera doesn't have a meter, it's not a huge problem. Um, you can follow the sunny. Not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. You can follow the sunny 16 rule. If, if you're shooting outside, this is, this is pretty easy. And I know there's other like cloudy and indoor rules, but mm -hmm. just to keep it easy, sunny 16 is this. The ISO of your film mm -hmm. over one, mm -hmm. under one. Anyway, okay, so take F60. If you're oh, boy. That was, that was confusing to me, and I understand Sunny 16. Oh, boy. Okay. So you're, you're going to take whatever your film speed is. Mm -hmm. So let's say I'm shooting 400 ISO. Yep. You're going to take the inverse of that. So it's going to be one over 400, and that's going to be your shutter speed. And then 16, the sunny 16 is basically signifying that on a bright sunny day with no clouds, it's going to be F16 at one four hundredth of a second is going to be your exposure for 400 speed film. You said that a lot better than me. Or the closest, which is likely going to be one five hundredth of a second. Bingo bongo. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I got you. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And the other thing with light meters, if your phone, if your film camera does not have a light meter in it, 
such as a lot of the Pentax cameras and old Minolta Spotmatics and all that sort of thing. A lot of those don't... Actually, I think the Spotmatic is a Pentax as well. Uh, Minolta SRT bodies is what I was thinking of. Anyway, a lot of those light meters are dying. That's fine. Uh, you can pay for it to get repaired or you can just use a light meter app on your phone. Oh, that's true. And it'll slow you down a little bit more, but you're shooting film. You're already being slowed down. Just chill, man. Just chill. Just chill. Just chill. <laughs> All right. Do we... Uh, so the funny story part. Yeah? We have time for this? Uh, we've got like... We're we're getting into the into the fifty minute area. I think we've got time. If we go a little over, I think people will be Unders- okay with understanding. The, I think yeah. we, there's some stuff we can cut out too, probably like a yeah. dead, dead air and you kind of splice it together. Yeah. Yeah. let's let's go for it. All right. So, um, the really, I had less of a funny story and more of just like a recommendation of go like hang out either here or where you know that like film camera film shooters or film people are going to be hanging out like whether that's here or at the lab or whatever and like get into that community because it's a welcoming one and it's a really like usually pretty awesome one just because it's almost like record records vinyl people record store people if you're hungry for for information on shooting film photography Mm mm-hmm I have yet to meet a, a, quote, a quote, quote unquote, snobby film shooter. They're out there, but there's very few of them. They're yeah. usually eager to share their information. Exactly. And they're, they're wanting to go shoot with people. They're excited about seeing people being into film. Yeah. They want to have that like contagious enthusiasm. Yeah. And I, I was just, I was going to tell a little story about, uh, I used to buy used equipment. I used to travel around the country and buy used equipment. And I've got some cool stories just from that experience because I, I felt like an American picker in, in some cases. Uh, but there was a cool experience that I had with this woman that I was buying a lot of. We were buying a lot of her gear. And she was she was older um, and kind of her. she had her son and his best friend there. Uh, like from growing up and she was like, you guys each pick what you want and then these guys will buy the rest kind of thing. And she was so full of the coolest stories. She, this was in Florida. She had shot like, uh, NASA, uh, like NASA, the, the group, the, the pilots, the, the, yeah. Astronauts, the the groups of, Oh my gosh, my brain is pudding right now. (laughs) But she had shot like flight teams, I guess, is what I was thinking of and uh, all sorts of stuff. And her her son's friend that I met was the first woman to ever dot the I for Script Ohio. Like it was just it was an awesome experience. And I actually when I left. So there was a Nikon F100 that she said that she used to shoot that shoot the mission, the the astronauts for this mission. Mm -hmm. And I told my boss, I was like. I want that F100. Like, I want to remember it. Like, and I almost like, I shoot with the F100 quite frequently, but just knowing that it had lived a life before I touched it. And like, I've got a, a it kind of pushes me a little bit to like, I've got to like come up with something that's worthwhile to shoot on this camera because it's already seen so many cool things. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's, that's kind of my story. That's a really cool story. I like that. Mine's, mine's more funny and uh, I'm going to, Change, yeah? change the locations and names to protect those who are innocent. Oh, boy. Uh, so in college, I took uh, an unnamed college. I took a, a large format class. And they wanted us to stay around the area in order to capture the images that we needed to capture. However, we had heard about a uh, water plant that was being torn down, abandoned, mm. had a lot of cool graffiti on it. Um, and the, I don't even know, like when you say water plant, I don't know what that involves. Is it big? Is that a big facility? Yeah. Like treatment of water. Yeah. Essentially the people, but there's a lot of reservoirs I'm imagining and stuff like that. Imagine tanks and, and, but when we got there, the, the facility had been torn down and Mm. there was a shack, like a utility shack or, um, some maintenance shack or some type Mm -hmm. that was still really cold and standing on the very back corner of the property. (laughs) Now we got there and there is a fence and there's no sign, but the fence is chained 
and there was a construction worker there and we're like hey we're film we're we're students here in columbus we just want to shoot some film on these large format cameras of that building over there and he looks around at us and he goes okay well the owner of this property is not going to like that but here's what i'm going to tell you they're not coming back between this time and this time oh man so we get back into our cars <clears throat> we uh wait between those times i'm trying to guess whether he gave you the right information or the wrong information to give you to get you guys into trouble you're about to find out yeah so we on the edge of my seat (laughs) we go onto the property between the times that he told us uh we start setting up our cameras now if you have seen somebody with a large format camera Mm -hmm. before shot large format before you know this is a process setting up the tripod getting the camera on the tripod getting the bellows extended there's a lot involved with even just before you even get the dark cloth over your head to see what you're looking at exactly so we're at the point where lens boards on lenses on we're putting on the dark cloth to begin to focus on this structure Mm -hmm. and this suv rolls up oh man and then construction like, worker is gone. And then Tuco is... from uh, Breaking Bad rolls out, and he's <laughs> <laughs> tight, 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 tight. <laughs> so this lady comes out, and she's the property owner, and she begins just unloading on us. Now, yeah, we had to go through the fence; like mm-hmm. the chain was loose on the fence. We could just easily... you could wiggle your way through with a large format camera. Oh man! So she starts. Ye- she's unloading on us. She's yelling at us. She's saying she she starts taking photos of us with her cell phone. She's uh, saying she's got she's cops are on the way. You guys are in big trouble. You got to get arrested. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh great, here we go. So we apologize. We say, look, this guy told us we could come here, and she said they never told you that. He he did not tell you that. He told you to go away. And so it seemed like a setup, really. Yeah. So we're just like, whatever, just leave us alone. We'll leave peacefully. We did not mean to intrude. He said this. Yeah. Obviously, this was wrong. We leave. And as we're walking down the road with all of our gear, the cops pull up. Mm. They set us down on the curb. They ask us a few questions. They take all of our IDs. And... Uh, Long story short, this lady was very much overreacting, and it. I think the the police knew it, mm-hmm. and they were just like, "Look, you went through a fence that was chained," and we were all like, "There's really not a sign. This is no trespassing." Yeah, and he was like, "You make a good point, but when you see a fence that's chained, yeah, come on, yeah." <laughs> so we're like, <laughs> "I kicked in the door, but it didn't say no trespassing." <laughs> So we said, look, we get it. It's trespassing. This guy said this. We can't prove it. Yeah. There's a chain fence. There's no sign. Yeah. We just want to go in peace. We're not here to harm anything. We were just taking yeah. photos for school. And he's like, yeah. get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we got to, to go. And yeah. uh, what's funny about this story is that uh, this, <laughs> this incident, uh, m- my mother uh, is affiliated in, with the city in some way that she... Uh, comes into contact with police and she uh she did not hear this story at all from any mm. police officer but she heard it three or four years after the fact yeah and she <laughs> i can't believe you got her yeah <laughs> she, i mean her her my her my dad were uh surprised to hear that they had never heard about this story in <laughs> my college years yeah so well that's like i feel like that's a common kind of photographer like it's a way, ur- urbex like urban exploring kind yeah, of yeah and just going to explore like uh yeah just uh, empty spaces and stuff like that but yeah. you do have to be careful and you do have to i mean follow, you, follow the laws follow the rules yeah, and all don't that. don't yeah. break the law don't do what i did yeah. um but understand if if somebody is is there that's younger with the camera and they say they're a student, yeah, they might be telling the truth, and you might want to go a little easy. Yeah, I will <laughs> also say for those people out there that are thinking about doing things like that, like oftentimes just reach out to the person that manages or owns the property, You'd and a lot surprised. of the times they're cool with it and they're into photography sometimes, and like, or I mean, I've had cases where uh, I can't think of anything specific. Oh, where you just end up making a connection and like it benefits both of you then. Yep. And you're both like, it, it, yeah, it can, it can be a, a, a nice thing to, to actually reach out and ask somebody. I mean, you may face a lot of no's, but the that's yeses. The wor- that's the worst the, they're going to do is say no. The yeses are going to be more fruitful, I think. Very much so. Um. All right. So you want to move on to our, our challenge and, and that sort of thing? Let's do it. Let's do the challenge. Oh, boy. (laughs)
Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. Um, so here's our challenge for the week uh, to reflect on. I want you guys to reflect. If you have shot film before, reflect on that past film work or go ahead and try out a new film and tell us what your experience is with it. So mm-hmm. if you're unfamiliar with film, pick up a role from us or pick up a role anywhere and just yeah. find a camera and shoot it and see what you think. You know, think yeah. about what you're going to shoot before you shoot it. Um, or not. Or yeah, or not. Just just willy nilly. Just shoot There's it. There's some like we even have disposable cameras. I busted out one of the Ilford uh, HP5 disposable cameras that we have here. And I cracked it open, took a couple shots, and just passed it around the shop. And then we got it developed here. And it's like, it's cool. You can see what everybody's just like kind of doing dorky stuff with it. Exactly. Um, Or if you don't have access to film, maybe research a film photographer and see what the process is. Listen to them talk about what they did or read about what they did Mm -hmm. and and see if you can get in that same headspace. I'm going to do a little bit of a quote here. There's, uh, I think... The, this is a fairly common thing for like writers and stuff. Figure out who your favorite writers are writing, like what who they read. And I would say the same about photography. Figure out who your favorite photographers, who their favorite photographers were. Yeah. That's a great way to find inspiration. Like you like Annie Leibovitz? See who she's referencing. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds cool. I like that. Um, so share your images with us. There's a few different ways you can do it. You can share with us on at two weird camera beards on Instagram or at MPEX underscore photo underscore video on Instagram. Or you can shoot us an email two weird camera beards at MPEX.com. And we'll check out those photos that you share with us. Now, what we want to do is if you submit a bunch of those, if you guys, if we get a bunch of of submissions, what we want to do is we want to pick a few random winners to give away some really cool film. Now it is so cool. The film is. So first, we've got a pack of Fujifilm FP100C, which is an instant film. Now, they don't make this anymore. Everything Beautiful. That, anything you can find on the market is expired, and this stuff goes, it's like gold. It's like $70 eBay. for a pack. Yeah. So we At want, least. if we get a bunch of submissions, we want to pick a random winner, and we want to give away a pack of that so that you mm-hmm. can try out this highly coveted, no longer findable, super cool, beautiful film. The second winner we want to give away, we just got this new fl- film in from Rolly. Um, Rolly oh, R- R- RPX. We've yeah. got it both 120 and 35 mil. And we want to give away a roll of that and see what you yeah. guys think They've of it. They've got too. 25 ISO, 100 ISO, and 400 ISO with that. And I've been like, I've been wanting to shoot 25 because I've heard. Silky smooth. Yeah. No grain. You're not going to see a bit of it. It's going to be silky smooth. Yeah. So that's, cool. that's, that's our challenges for the week. We're going to yeah. go ahead and wrap this up. We want to give a few shout outs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever want to find us uh, on an alternate podcasting platform, you can always visit us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Um, share your photos, uh, like I said before, on Instagram at two weird camera beards or at MPEX underscore photo underscore video mm-hmm. or two weird camera beards at MPEX.com. Yeah. Send your questions. Do a voice memo uh, under a minute and ask us. A question, comment, whatever your thoughts are, and uh, send it to two weird camera beards at mpex.com. So to wrap up, we want to give a special thanks to uh, our first and new sponsor, Rode Microphones. Uh, thank of, you, Rode. Thank you, Jeff and Ryan. You guys are awesome. Heck uh, they, yeah. they got us set up, and we are good talking on Rode pod mics here. We uh, have cast those through the Rodecaster Pro and uh, got our nice. <laughs> there it is we're we're uh, getting this whole podcast recorded on road equipment and it's just mm-hmm. awesome we couldn't be happier with it if you want to start your own podcast they have classes for that that we host from time to time and we sell their equipment here and I'm more than happy to answer your questions they're just awesome guys yeah give uh, us a call yeah uh, special thanks to our magical, marvelous executive producer, Maddie O'Neill, who uh, Tom and I are two cats that she has to herd constantly and keep us on track. Yep. Uh, obviously, if you're listening to this, you know that we're only organized because of Maddie. Mm-hmm. Uh, special thanks to the president of Midwest Photo, Moisha Applebaum, for letting us take over the uh, conference room. Vice president of Midwest Photo, Ken Lewis, who is my boss and Tom's boss. He's yeah. super cool and gives us a bunch of, bunch of inspiration and a uh, bunch of notes on on, on how to how to better hurt us yep. a little bit, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
big shout out to Christopher Gilbert of Fujifilm mm-hmm. who uh, hooked some of the employees here up with some cool film like the Acros that I shot. Uh, I'll even link some of those images. I'll have Maddie link some of those images in the show notes for you guys so you can see what Acros is all about. It's a really nice film. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure, link Tariq's, uh, Tariq's Instagram uh, in the show notes as well as Matt's YouTube channel, Matt Marash's YouTube channel, yeah. where he shows how, like, a lot of his large format technique and stuff like that. Yep. And big, again, big thanks to Matt Marash, too. Yeah. Go check out his podcast, The Film Photography. Film Photography Project. I know, right? Film film Photography Project uh, on anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or just FPP. If you Google FPP, it'll come up. You'll find it for sure. So, uh, Tom, you got a quote you want to close this out with? Uh, I got got a quote. Oh, my gosh. I don't have it ready. Go for it. I'll go with my quote. This one's from George Eastman, uh, uh, founder of Kodak. Light makes photography. Embrace light. Admire it. Love it. But above all, no light. Know it for all you are worth, and you will know the key to photography. George Eastman. That's rad. That is rad. Yeah. That sounds like somebody who makes emulsion for a living would say. It does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cool. Well, thank you, guys. We appreciate you. Big thanks to you guys, our listeners. Uh, We hope that you enjoy this slightly shorter episode (laughs) that's not an hour and a half long. Sorry about that if you guys, uh, if it was too much for you for the first one, but I think we're going to try to stick to around this time. Sounds good. We'll see you guys next time. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Bye.